welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen & Company, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest. I'm very excited about this, Josh Bump Galetta. What's going on, brother? Not much. How you doing? Doing Thanks. pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I so, love the talk, so this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I enjoy talking uh, just as much. So let's go ahead and start out like we always do yeah. and say, who are you and what do you do? Awesome. Well, um, my name is Josh Coletta. All my friends call, and family call me Bump. We're going to come back to that. All right. So um, I'm a freelance illustrator, so I tell people, but pretty much is I do designs for people and it's all hand drawn. So I have this certain a- aesthetic where it's not a clean, perfect graphic. You could tell like it's been hand drawn. And so I do a lot of branding, logo, package designs, but also I'll do murals. I'll do private commission, business commissions. So I've worked from everybody from like Starbucks to like my neighbor, you know, it's just Anybody can hire me to make stuff for them. Yeah, yeah, I've actually commissioned some of your work, too. I don't know if you – we didn't even talk about this oh, before yeah. we aired. But, uh, yeah, I had you draw a friend's house for oh, me. Oh, awesome, yeah. So I've drawn job. hundreds of houses. So thank, I appreciate that. It means a lot. So, yeah, I just I, I just make and draw things right now and just do it um, you know, full time. And then I also have another element where it's retail. So I'll do pop-up markets or I'll deliver my, my products and goods to different stores around, around Florida. And um, occasionally I'll get to do some speaking engagements for, um, you know, keynotes and things like that. So what's the what's the purpose behind the not clean lines? I just I'm just that guy. I I, I just drew to the the punk rock lifestyle, skateboarding and everything's just DIY. Figure it yourself. And I fear, you know, I just see a lot of people how they make just clean, awesome work. But for me, I just I don't like perfection or perfect stuff. I just like to see, you know, just something that's organic or analog, as they say. And so that's just like something that people loved and liked. And I, even when I do try to clean up my artwork, a lot of design or people who've commissioned me are like, no, I want your, your traditional style that you do. And so I've just kind of honed in on that. And that's kind of been where I land when people hire me and why they hire me. It looks kind of like a single line. Yeah. Through, do you try to kind of keep that one line consistency in most of your, most of your work? Yeah. So the cliff notes for my, um, my process is I'll draw everything in pencil first. And for the fellow artists out there, I love using mechanical pencils. And I'm um, I'm actually an ambassador and sponsored by this Japanese company called Tombo. Okay. It's T O M B O W, and they make pens, brush pens, color pencils, markers, and so they have these. Um, they're called mono drawing pens. So they're like very thin tips or nibs, as they call them. And so after I pencil everything, and I figure either I like it or the client likes it, then I'll come back over with the pens and I'll ink it. And then after that, I'll, if I need to digitize it to be put on products and things, I'll run it through you know Photoshop or Illustrator or some Adobe program. Yeah, but everything's just it's hand drawn. So when I finish projects with clients, not only do they get the digital version, I also give them the physical one that I hand drew for them. So um, whenever I cook for me and my wife, and I do like two plates, or me and my wife and the children, usually turns out pretty decently. There's some times that I can I can mess that up, but yeah. whenever I go and try to mass produce that, yeah. it gets a little messy. Right. <laughs> so whenever you go, I mean, is it is is the same true from whenever you transfer something from a pad to a mural? Yeah. Is that is that accurate? I mean, is it that difficult, or is the bigger lines easier? It's honestly at first it was hard because like I start out using paintbrushes because I'm like everybody does murals uses paintbrushes and I don't create the same artistic style as I do with a pen. But then I'm like, you know what? I need it. I like Banksy. He's a you know phenomenal, famous yeah. graffiti artist. So I was just paying attention to him and other graffiti artists and like how do they do what they do so fast sometimes? And I know they're not always just using spray paint. So I found this company called Montana, but there's other ones like it, but they make these uh, pretty much paint markers. And so that helps me kind of create the same aesthetic and line thickness when I do my murals now. And I can also be more efficient and faster in my time frame. 
And so I'll just, I'll have a projector and blow up a, my drawing on the wall and then I'll just stencil it out with like a chalk pencil. And then I'll come back over with these paint markers that just have the same quality of paint as a brush, but it'll have my, you know, my hand strokes in a sense on there and my same lines. And people, you know, also like that it's got, you know, the lines are not 100% perfect. They got, a, you know, a little bump and stuff there, like, you know, it's been hand drawn, which it was. So have you always been drawn to art? And I do mean a pun by that. <laughs> joke. Yeah. I love that. I even stuck bumping the lines. <laughs> I have, I just, um, my first thing that I got into was comic books. I've always loved comics, uh, preferably Marvel. And, um, <laughs> yeah, all right. You just divided our audience. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Just so people know where I'm coming from. And I used to just get the books and I would just try to replicate some of these artists that I love, like Rob Liefeld, uh, Jim Lee, Tom McFarlane, Eric Larson, Chris Bocula. I just loved their work. And, and so I would try to replicate it. But somehow, I mean, I feel like uh, God gave me a little blessing in my mind. I realized like nobody's going to want to hire another artist who looks just like this person. So I need to kind of make it my own. And so after a while, after trying to redraw some of these superheroes, I started making my own characters. And then I started also making sure that my character didn't look identical to how this other comic book guy did his. But that was kind of a cool growing period for me because I started out with comics. And then once you get in there, that's kind of the gateway to all these different things. And then you see like how people do album art for music and, you know, animation. And so. Is everybody else in your family growing up pretty artistic? Not really. <laughs> that's pretty, that's <laughs> Would you say that you're the best artist in your family? Yes. Okay, I would. Good. And I mean, and not trying to be bragging, now. but like yeah. my dad can draw and sketch a little, but it's like nobody really made and put things out there. It's just... Where I landed. like my brother is very was very athletic. My sister was also athletic, but they were both very very smart. They were always on rolls and things like that. And I was we would cheer if I got a C or a D. That's good. And uh, later in life, I found out I had a, a form of dyslexia that it's not the, necessarily the, the spelling reading backwards, but my mind has a hard time with testing like true and false, multiple choice, and like things like that. And so for me, I do much better where I'm one on one and talking and figuring it out with the person or a teacher. Versus like sitting there and having to go from memory and writing it down. And so that kind of like made me kind of resist school more and focus more on art and creating and making things versus getting into academics. I mean, I do like history and stuff, but. Sure. So whenever, I, I mean, I'm guessing this started whenever you were a kid. Yeah. Right. So when did you start really establishing your, I mean, your medium, your look? I think it was mostly high school. I think because my middle school years were just, you know, you're just, you get distracted, you fool around. But when I was in high school, my first real cool opportunity was to do the our high school yearbook cover, which when I was done, they rejected it. <laughs> but they let me do the Christmas. Uh, How did that conversation go? <laughs> they're like, oh, you're a great artist. Can you do our cover? And then it came out, it looked very comic booky, and they didn't want that. They wanted something more like elegant and, you know, official, um, official for school. And so they's like, well, you can do our Christmas play program. So I did that. I did Mary and Joseph. And that also looked very comic booky. So it came in the back poster cover. So I lost... Both of us, but just being commissioned to do something and making it was just a, was a really cool opportunity. And I'm like, oh, I can put my art and put it on other people's stuff, not just for me or not just my mom asking for, uh, you know, a, the right a greeting card or for a family member or a friend. You know, it's like kind of cool, like I'm doing this for someone else. Yeah. And so I just like, oh, okay, people can kind of do this. So when did it start shifting into what we see today? I think in college was when it officially, like, I kind of honed in. But I got a really cool story how it kind of where I am today um, most of us, like we have people that we look up to or, you know, for whatever our career is, we all have our hero or person. And so for me and the design was this guy named Andy J. Miller. He has his own podcast called The Creative Pep Talk. 
and he's a phenomenal designer. He's worked for everybody. He just actually got to release his own personal Xbox controller and packaging. Holy smokes. But uh, several years ago, probably five or six years ago, I used to hit him up every other week on Instagram DMs like, hey, I got a question about this or that. And I would try to sign up for some of his art classes and programs and just for whatever reason didn't work out. But this guy, I mean, he lives in Ohio. He's pretty well established. He doesn't even need to talk to me, but he's like, hey, I appreciate all your questions. Let's, let's spend two hours on a Zoom call or wow. I'm sorry, Skype, because Zoom wasn't around then. And let's just talk about all your questions. I'll help you out as much as I can in that two hours. I mean, people can charge thousands for something like that. And he just you know, set that aside. And what we did is, and I encourage everybody to, who's a, a creative or into this, is get somebody that you can just let down all your guard to and say whatever you, they can to you and accept that. And so what he did is we went through my website and social media, and he said, let's both pick our 12 favorite things that I've done. And then what we're going to do is we're going to narrow it down to six, and we're going to kind of that define your style and your aesthetic of who you are. Wow. So we picked all those things, and we um, his first question, though, to me, and this is like kind of helps everybody understand, he's like, what do you hate to do? And I'm like, I hate color because I don't think color. I think black and white. I think minimal. Even though it starts out as a mess, that's where it always ends. So he's like, go on your social media and your website, delete all your color. Wow. Work. So that's how I kind of like people known me as um, not doing color. I mean, now it's definitely become – added on to what I do now. But for the time, that's kind of how it helped define me. And we narrowed it down to these six or seven pieces to be my my guide of how my artwork would look. And so I just kind of like honed in on making sure everything fit in those parameters. And that's kind of how I got to where I am, like what people see like today and regularly. So you feel like those boundaries really helped you they out? They did, because man, I was doing, I was painting, I was doing watercolor, I was doing graffiti, I was building furniture, um, sculpting. I was doing everything like most people, but when you have so many things going out there, it's really hard for people to find something to really attach and like you for. And um, especially if you wanted to do it professionally for a career, because I tell people I'm a working artist. I'm not a fine artist. I don't care about awards. I don't care about galleries. I just like to make and draw things. And I like it if people can put it on their product. I don't care if there's uh, recognition for it. I've never, that's never been a thing for me. And so it's just kind of cool that he took that time to help me get it there. And now I kind of, I'm, I'm known for that. And now like in this, this past year that I've been kind of trying to evolve my style a little bit. I'm trying some new things and I'm pushing out a few little pieces to see what people think, but cool. That's pretty much it. And that's how I kind of got to <laughs> the style I'm using right well, now. We're going to get into the greater part of your story. So uh, let's go ahead and take our first break and we'll be right back. And we're back with the risk and reward podcast. Uh, we're back with Josh bump Galetta. So let's go ahead and get in a little bit more of your story. So when when did you decide, okay, this this is what I want to pursue for a career and a job? It was always a side hustle. I think once I moved here, I thought I like making things, I like creating things. And the first example was we got invited to somebody's a baby reveal party, which I'd never been to one of those before. <laughs> this is years ago. And we didn't really have a gift ready. So I just drew, I drew a quick, I think either I drew a house portrait or I drew the family and we framed it. It was the first time I ever done that for anybody. And when they opened the gift, I, I swear we had about six commissions that night at the party. No like, way. oh, we want one. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then um, so I would do a few little things like that. And then another crazy transition is I was in a pretty um, horrific accident. Hmm. I was out cycling and somebody struck me with their car. And uh, it's, it's pretty gnarly. But I had over 30 broken bones, had to be life lighted, almost died at the scene in the hospital. Good and heavens. So it's just it's, that's a whole other element. But part of that, I got diagnosed with PTSD and went through counseling because it was affecting my family and marriage and my relationships with everybody else and had a little intervention. And the counselor, she just 
you know, really helped me kind of get back to as normal as I could with that mentally and um, I guess spiritually as well. And she gave me an exercise I tell people about where she said, you can do whatever it is, but she's like, you know, find something you really love, try to put everything into that and then release it. And it's kind of helping me with all the anxiety or my flashbacks or just the things that come along with that. It's just, there's a lot of crazy things that happen to you mentally and physically. 100%. And so I would just thought, all right, I'll make original artwork, put it in a little bag and just hide it like at coffee shops, state parks, uh, really cool locations or Disney. And one by one, people would find them and then message me like, hey, I really like this. If I give you some money, would you make something for me? I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And it just kept happening. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make some money drawing. So we made like a little website and some social media for it. And next thing I know, I was, um, hey, you should go do a pop-up market and sell your artwork. Or, hey, this looks cool on paper, but what if you put it on a T-shirt? And so just I would take these little suggestions and slowly build it into like a little personal business. I mean, did it, you're making it sound like it was just – a bunch of trips into something bigger. Right. And then, um, is that true? Yeah. It was a bunch of little things. And I, I love taking, hearing people's suggestions and thoughts and then see how they would truly work. But then the, the big one, <laughs> the big push was the, the church I was at laid me off. Okay. And it just, you know, due to financial reasons and it made sense to cut my job into a bunch of part-time jobs. And so what I did, and this is, you know, for anybody who is, you know, leery of what to do with their life. I thought before I pursue another job in ministry or, you know, pursue the arts, I'm going to ask some leadership here in town. So I met with some men like Andy McIntyre mm -hmm. from Indy Atlantic. I met with Bill Mutz, Mr. Mayor, Steve Madden, and Tim Cox. And I just said, hey, outside looking in, I've never been laid off before. I've never lost a job. I've never been this predicament. I'm in my 40s. You know, what are your thoughts? And they all said, pursue your art. I mean, it looks pretty awesome. Looks like you have some opportunities. And they gave a lot of great advice. And so sure enough, we just like, all right, I signed up for all these like high-end markets or like called like Indie Flea and different things like that that are all over in like the major cities. I didn't do a lot of those here in Lakeland. And and through those, like doors would open. Like I got off. Was you know, that built out of hesitancy that you asking those questions or was that was that you trying to pursue wisdom? Yeah, just wisdom. Because I'm, I'm, you know, as a, a man, a father and a dad realizing like I'm out of work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do I provide for my family? Like this was unexpected. There was no like this is going to happen. And so I'm like, all right, I got a, I got a little window for, you know, where the actual stop date starts and launch. So we use that as a buffer to try things, get things situated. I got me a little trailer to carry my stuff around in, started um, getting bigger amounts of inventory than I re regularly had. But I would also like, if I'm doing a, a pop-up market, I would ask other vendors, what do you do? How do you do it? How do you just see what works for them? And, but the other thing too, I realized like, I love talking to people. So I'm going to become like everyone who walks into my booth, their best friend. Yeah. Cause I'm always about the first impression and I'm always about just, you know, making sure everybody finds what they want. And also uh, a trick I learned is you never know who you're talking to, no matter who, how they look or how they come in. And through those events, man, I got opportunities to sell my stuff in West Elm. I got to do a, a mural for Starbucks. I got to do another mural for Greenwise. And a lot of those big jobs came because somebody came to my booth, liked my work. We had a great time talking. And because um, I always have a rule, like, don't be on your phone. Don't be high behind the table. I just interact with everybody and just try to make it a pleasant experience. And so through that, just led to open doors for other jobs. And so once doing those, I'm like, all right, that can be an element from a business. I'll make a whole, I have a mural side of my business. Or somebody hired me to do their coffee mugs. So I'll, I'll do, you know, branding. And then somebody, can you do a logo? I'm like, I think so. So now <laughs> I do a logo. So it just, it would always lead to a, a different thing. And I just try to, like, realize whoever I work with, let's make it like a collaboration so they can feel involved, but also that they can feel like they got a say in it. It's not just, can you draw this? I do it, and that's it. I would want them to feel like they helped build 
And um, do you feel like you're telling their story through your drawing? That's the plan. I always tell them like, how can we capture that moment? Because that's the other thing. When you know, I do these house portraits. I ask people, let's put some text on there. Like, do you want to put like you know an established date or your last name or street address or a poem? Because I'm like, this is your piece. This is who you are. This is a chapter in your life. How can we make it about you? And that's the same with my clients. Like, how can we capture who you are? Because the thing you'll hear from most designers is usually the cheapest project you do for somebody is like the hardest, the most headaches versus like the big giant clients. The big corporate ones are the easiest ones because they, they know you're good. Like, do it. Here we go. Thank you. We'll take, you know, we'll take mock-up B versus the local person. Like, I need my family's name, the crest. I need, you know, butterflies to signify my granddaughter, <laughs> a cat for that passed away six years ago. And, and next thing you know, you got this collage instead of a logo. And so it's just learning how to navigate them and talk to them like, no, let's just Let's minimize this and make it like it tells you without. <laughs> is there is there a challenge to hear their story, but also then release it to you to be able to draw that? At first it was because I had to like, I've never owned a business before. I never had like worked with a client. So I, in my mind, I'm like, what would I want? And then also how can I make them feel comfortable and at ease and not intimidated? Because a lot of people feel intimidated trying to release this to you, at least from my experience. And since I'm a, a big time extrovert, I try to like help them just share everything they need. I even like make a little questionnaires I bring sometimes for clients. And, but yeah, I just tell them like, you know, this is a project we're doing together. Cause in the end I want you to love it. Mm -hmm. And so I need to hear what all you need and what you want and see if we can capture that. How often do they come back comfortable enough to make edits? I try to make it every time. So for instance, I, I tell people, I try to do me personally, I do like three rounds. I always sound like the first round it's rough. It's just sketches, but that's our foundation. And you're gonna help me pick things that you like out of there. But I also tell them, like, if you don't like these, tell me, I'll make you a whole other set. I don't want you to feel like you're stuck to these things. And I think that helps, you know, alleviate some of the stress and it kind of like enlightens them a little bit. Like, oh, I actually get to contribute. And I'm very open to their stuff. But I let them know, like, I will tell you if this is not going to work or not going to be compatible for a design or something. But I mean, pretty much 99% of my projects have been a great experience. I've only had like one or two that we both walked away. Mm -hmm. But it was just, you know, it's very rare and long time ago. So you took something that was kind of a hobby and just yeah. a, a time user, right? Yeah. And then you made it into something that was therapeutic, and now it's your business. Have you run into any problems personally with that as far as now I'm doing this as a career, but it's something I love? Have you seen any enjoyment from your craft diminished because you've decided to monetize it? Uh, not truly, because... I, I try to pay attention. I try to talk to a lot of other creatives because I think I have this weird thing in the back of my head to always like learn from others. And one of my things when I meet other people who are kind of doing similar things, I'm like, tell me some of the roadblocks and things, hurdles you hit because I want to make sure that I can be aware as I approach them. And so for me, like I never get writer's block. Like I have a note in my phone, like a little note app in my phone that's just full of things. So whenever I finish a client's work and I want to do something for myself, for that split second, I can't think of something like, oh, I have this list of 100 things I want to draw or make. And because um, I love drawing, I love making things. So the fact I get to do it for clients is even cooler. And then I get to see it like on their truck or on their building or their wall. But I do, you do need to make stuff for yourself because if not, it's maddening and you kind of lose the love for creativity and art. So there's, I always have to, you know, do something for myself. Even if I fin I'm up late working on the client's piece, I'm going to like go back and do something for myself. That's pretty cool. All right, let's go ahead and take our next break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with Josh Bump Galetta. So, real quick, Bump, where'd that yeah. come from? Uh, this, it's not an awesome story. Just um, uh, again, <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for letting us know. Just so I don't want people to think it's what it is is uh, like 
I, I grew up in a, a, a very conservative Christian family, and when I discovered uh, skateboarding and punk rock, my, I started you know changing my lifestyle and choices and decisions, and my, it kind of scared my parents. So they would instead of um, they tried how to you know try to figure out how to rein me in and control me, but in the end they would just send me to summer camps for the whole summer to be on staff. So I'll go to these camps and do landscaping or maintenance or work in the kitchen or whatever. But I love doing pranks, and my pranks would go pretty crazy. Like I would uh, get up really early in the morning, like four or five in the morning, and leave food trails and like lure lure um, like sand cranes or animals <laughs> into the other cabins and then throw fireworks behind them. You know, just yeah. cause mayhem or just you know da- tape doors or just whatever pranks you can do at a camp. And just one of my pranks, which was dumb, went went dumb. I was just very bad and just uh bump, you know, whatever. And then. Everywhere I go after that summer, I would run to somebody from that camp, like, oh, Bump's here. And so it just followed me. And so that's how my wife met me. She met me as Bump. And soon, like, her family, my family, probably calls me Bump. It's just, uh, just, you know, a prank went wrong, yeah. got stuck with the name. And just you run to somebody from the group and like, oh, this is Bump. He did this or whatever. And I have a nickname that I got in high school that continues to follow me. Oh, yeah, what's that? But, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. I, I don't need that thing catching on. Gotcha. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything. Uh, I just don't. I um it was actually uh, the name of a character from a, from a TV show from the 50s. Okay, gotcha. Um, but I now know if someone says that nickname, I know exactly what period of life okay. I, I met them <laughs> in. Flashback to yeah, that time. Oh, man, it just brings yeah. me right back. <laughs> I love nicknames. Yeah. So man. with you doing house commissions on a personal level, you're doing murals, you're doing stuff for larger corporations, You know, what's your plan for scalability in that? Is there a plan, or are you just saying, I'm doing this thing? That um, I yeah, just because I love to make things for people, and I like to see where it'll end up and go. And so, for instance, when the, the Starbucks thing came by, I mean, I kind of lost my mind because, I mean, Starbucks is like one one of the biggest things out there. And for them to ask me and Lakeland to do the piece I got to do and make the process was awesome and very, you know, very great to work with the people there, it just blew my mind because I was still, like, early on in my work. And I actually – I have the very first email they sent me printed out on my wall, just like, hey, are you interested in working with us? Because I just, it just shows if you put all the time and energy and effort in there and try to be genuine and honest with it, that, you know, hopefully some good things will happen. And um, have you done some of your artwork for um, people outside of Lakeland or has it become regional or national? Oh, yeah, it's, I, I do all over the place. I mean, I've done stuff for people in you know, California, Seattle, all over. I mean, a, a bulk of the things people see are in Lakeland or in Florida. And things like that, but uh, yeah, I've done just all over the place. So we were talking before we started recording that you're you're kind of from everywhere, yeah, right. So you know the the fact that you planted roots and really fell in love with your city, or at least that's what you're portraying. You know, I don't have yeah. any reason to doubt that. Right. No, I didn't mean to make it sound <laughs> no, like <you're>, that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, it seems that your love for your city is effervescent. Yeah. But yet your product is pointed out for everybody. Right. Well, I mean, it was it was part of partly a, a, a business thing because I was trying to figure out. All right, I eventually want to do like a kids book or a comic book or things like that. And you look up people like Fred Kohler, who's a phenomenal author and illustrator here in town, and other people, and you see their process they went through. And I mean, they worked really hard to get where they are. And that's like one avenue. And the other avenue I found out from just people is just you know if you want to get to discover get opportunities, maybe just own your town for a second. Just do as much as mm. you can for your town and see where that'll lead. So I'm like, you know what, I'll do that. And I mean, this is the humble brag because I hate talking like this, but I felt like I was one of the first people doing like the landmark art pieces. I feel me and Ida were the first one to do like a, a book about Lakeland, a kid's book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we were necessarily the first, but we were probably like leading that way. 
And that's kind of the hard part of the business now because now there's a lot of it from other people and other stuff. And some of it looks, you know, very much like what I created or, you know, in similar aspects. So that's one hard part of being in a small town and trying to own it is just people see something's doing very successful. So let's do something similar to it or you know, rip it off 100 percent. You know, it, it happens. But I just love our town. I love our community. And I felt like, all right, what's the biggest thing in here? Publix, you know, what's the next thing, you know, you know, maybe Starbucks or whatever. So I'm like, all right, we'll just work. And so whenever I saw a new business, like a sign or something down the street, I'd just go over and like, Hey, can I do a t-shirt? You want to collaborate? And so a lot of it was just one-on-one, just going to people offering my services. And then in my mind, I try to create the best experience I could for my client. So they would refer me. So I've hardly done any marketing for myself. All my, almost all my jobs have been referrals from other people. And now like I've had some friends who've moved away. And so they tell their people like out in California or Seattle, hey, you should work with this guy. And so it's kind of crazy, like, you know, going through, you know, Zoom calls and emails of like doing stuff outside of Florida. But it's just, you know, my intention was first to own own my town, just do as much as I possibly could and see where that would lead. And I think that was great, just an exercise and preparation to get to do what I do now. Cause I, I, mean, I really do believe that if we as a society fell in love with our towns more, wherever you live, it doesn't right. have to be here. But yeah. I, I think that we would be benefited I think by so. that. Yeah, I agree. Because I get people who grew up here. I get like some people mm-hmm. just don't like their hometown. And I get how they have a little frustration that somebody who's not from here tries. But I'm like, it's my home. I love it. I live here. I know I'm not a, a, a native. Mm-hmm. But this is where I, I want to keep my roots. This is where I want to keep my family. And I like to you know show that off. But I, I get other people's frustration. Because I know when I was younger, I didn't like where I was growing up. I used to make fun of every place I was. So it was just... <laughs> My personality but when i got here man i mean it took a few years to grow on me because 14 years ago lakeland was not a fun place no and the matra back then which threw me was like i think they had the byline like called a mecca of a little cool or something like that and uh-huh. i'm like oh, that does not make sense for here <laughs> but now it's like there's so much to offer i feel like even for us when we go on date nights we don't have to think let's go to tampa st peter Orlando. we can stay here in lakeland there's plenty of things offered here that we can enjoy and partake and there's a lot more events going on but um but yeah it was just like I'm going to own and represent my town as best I can and show my love for it. And we have some cool landmarks, cool places, cool people. And So do you feel like there's a bit of a craving in our world today to have owned something a little bit more analog and less digital? I think so. I mean, you know, when NFTs came out and started getting big, everybody was like, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And for me, I just, I, I, I kind of turned into an old man. I'm like, this is kind of a newfangled thing. I don't know a lot about it. I know like with the Bitcoins and all those are taking their stuff and I have very little knowledge of both but I just I have people who make them friends mm-hmm. of mine and just disgusted and I think as I was getting the process to start making it which I didn't have time to make it anyway it's kind of already taken it's from my, what I'm seeing it seems like it's taken a downturn like it's not as at, at its peak like it was but um I think I got lost in my answer on that. yeah so I mean <laughs> yeah. I, no that's fine I mean it, so it, it is really cool to own a commissioned piece of art right, yes. in your house especially whenever it's you know it it's kind of sp- speaking to you, right? Right, yeah. rather than just seeing it on your device. And I love you. I like, and that's the thing. I love giving a physical. Even if people do ask for design, I try to give them a, a physical representation of it so they can see, like, I actually drew this before we like put it through Illustrator or Photoshop to clean it up and make it something you can print on things. But um, that's why, I, again, love doing the house portraits and uh, wedding commissions and family portraits and pet portraits because it's like you're physically in the paper. And I other thing I try to do really hard is a lot of people don't share it, but I I try to go all out in my when I deliver things, I have a special box, tape, tissue paper, and I try to wrap it up really nice. So when you open it, that's an experience in itself. And I always try to throw in some extra free stickers and things like that because I want people to know I'm grateful for what they did. 
And I also remember when I was a kid when I would order skateboard stuff or stuff from my favorite punk band, they would always throw in stickers and patches. And oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I got more than just the record. I got all this stuff. So I'm just like kind of, you know, trying to live through that when I package because I hand package everything myself or my kids. That's how they earn their money is they help me tag all my shirts and hats and help me package all the online orders. And <laughs> Stickers have definitely gotten more cool over the oh, years. Man. I, I love stickers. I've probably, I think we have like 30 different stickers we sell right now. Oh, yeah. And I just, I love, I mean... If you walk around town, you might see my stickers on a bunch of things. I don't know how they got there, but they tend to just end up on a lot of places in Lakeland, street signs. and I love your free art stuff, man. I think that is one of the coolest things. Oh, thank you. Yeah, just where people are having a kind of a miniature scavenger hunt. And the fun thing now is people like, hey, I'm going out of town. Can I hide some art? And so I've made a special travel packet. So now my art's been hidden all over the world. I mean, we just had like Amsterdam and Sweden this past year, Iceland. My buddy Ryan took it up there for me. And then Bangkok, Germany, Africa, all over the United States, uh, Rome. And it's just been really cool. So I have a special little instruction card, give you a couple prints, and then it comes with a card in there telling people who find it, like how they can display yeah. or at least let me know they found it. And so I, you know, if people's social media is private, then I'll never see it. But so I get to at least see about half of them get discovered or people message me like, hey, I found your art. Like That's we were just neat. in Savannah and I hit it in a few places in Savannah. It was really cool. That's really neat, man. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our, our last break, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back with Josh Bump Galetta. Last segment. I'm sad about this, man. I'm yeah, this sad. is good. I felt well, really fast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Uh, better than being like, this is super painful. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself, definitely. So, I, I, I mean, in, I personally believe that there's something in every single person with an itch to create something. So whether that's building something, coming up with an idea, I mean, do you feel that way in your art? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it does come from inside. I feel like a lot, I daydream a lot. My wife jokes about it because it's, it's like that secret life of Walter Smitty. Yeah. You know, she's like, that is you. That's like a walking, because I'm just, I'm always zoned out. And I think that's where like, I have a lot of these like short stories I write out and art pieces. And I feel like a lot of people are the same way because I love meeting other creatives and seeing, you know, what they do and make. And I love like, how'd you, What's the technique you use? Like my buddy, uh, Mike, he does phenomenal watercoloring and everything like that. So just, I try to dabble in. So I'm like, how do you, you know, do these, you know, techniques and things? Cause I'm always trying to figure out and cause brushes for me are a little difficult to use compared to an ink pen or pencil. That's really but, neat. All right. So thinking about the next step for your art, what does it look like? You know, what, what, how do you keep your style fresh? How does it continue to move? Well, I just, you know, I keep drawing, I keep trying to learn, I keep trying to follow what other people are doing, but also I don't want myself, my stuff to, you know, stay as it is. So I try to look back at what I used to do, even from a year ago to today and see how I improved in my techniques. But I just love seeing what other people are making. I love checking out stuff like we'll go to St. Pete to the Dolly Museum just to see the classics. But then also I like to just see some of these new exhibits people are doing out in California and things like that. But I just try to um, just constantly be searching through, you know, Instagram or Reddit or Twitter and just, I follow a lot of people that really inspire me. And sometimes it may not even be the art, it just could be their story. And even for me, like the, there's that Instagram account called Good News. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love happy stories like that. I've kind of like, you know, the news of late, specifically at politics, it's just kind of depressing on all sides and all fronts. And I feel like anytime I look at it, I feel this heaviness. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm tired of that. So I've like kind of transitioned my feed to looking at like cute animals and good news stories for yeah. some reason. And just, I like being in a, in a good mood. It helps me kind of just like, all right, feel like I could put more in there. I know some people, when they get in a dark place, can create things. But for me, it's just like when I'm just in like a good zone and I feel like I'm enjoying that moment, I feel like I can just put whatever out there. I don't care if I hate it or 
don't like it or if I love it, but it's just. Do you think that it stops your art or do you think it starts taking your art towards a different way? Yeah, I just, I feel like things, you know, if you're like, you're building things, it's just not working. You get a little more frustrated and it kind of takes that frustration out for me. Cause sometimes I'll just like, I'm, I feel I'm a, um, in the zone enough now. I, I know I can walk away for something and come back to it. And so sometimes like when you work, like I'm working on a really big piece for, um, a particular place that's about to open here soon in town. It's mm-hmm. going to be a pretty big deal. And I know the people involved are a little stressed out with what's going on with their thing. And so for me, you know, I'm trying to help alleviate that when I'm showing my stuff to them. But since it's such a big thing for, it's going to be for a, a big gift as well. I try really hard, just try to like, all right, let's just, I'm trying to put everything I have into, I'm trying to put new things I haven't done before. And um, cause I really want this to shine. And so sometimes being in the right mindset to do that, because if I'm feeling their stress, then I don't want to work on it. Yeah. Because I know that's pressure. So I'll like, you know, maybe I'll go watch, you know, some Star Wars on Disney Plus with my son, or maybe we'll go for a walk. We just got a new Australian Shepherd, and she's I love her. So we'll just <laughs> Charlie's her name, but something like that just kind of gets it helps me just you know be in the right mindset to create stuff. I I still make stuff when I'm upset, but I just I feel like when I'm in a, a better mood, it just kind of helps with the juices flowing and everything. Continuing on with trying to keep your artwork fresh, do you purposefully try to keep the roots solid in what you do and the and your look while you're changing it? Yeah, and it's for me like I don't. It's not intentional because I feel like whatever I'm making is me, mm-hmm. and so I don't look at it that way. Like, all right, does this still look like me? I try not to. I don't usually have those thoughts, but um, you know, I just, I just whatever comes out is what you know what you're going to get. But sometimes I will go back and just feel like, did I put a hundred percent in this, or did I just give them like ninety percent? And I just want to make sure everybody gets everything I have in me because that's the other thing. I don't want people to think like I just, you know, just winged it. I never want to do that for somebody because I always think, what if I'm in the, their shoes and I ask somebody for help and they just, and I've had people do that. They just kind of gave me like some help, not a lot of help. And I just never want that to be for a client. So the other cool part for this too is my wife is a, a big partner with me on this. And we have such a relationship that we're very open and honest about everything. And we talk about everything usually right then. And so when I show her something I worked on, she doesn't come in and like, oh, this is the best thing you've ever done. She knows to look at and like, you know what? I would I would work on these eyes a little bit more. Or, you know what? I would just, this doesn't look like it's finished like these are. And she can tell me that, but also I can receive it. And like, all right, you're right. I, I see it now and I'll do it. But she also probably does it in a kind and loving way too. She does, but sometimes she can be very, you know. Just very blunt. Playing with me and it's, it's fine. I mean, sometimes too, I'll wheel it back. I'm like, really? But then I'm like, okay, if she's seeing it, then that means other people are going to see it. Sure. And so I take it in there. I mean, I've, we've been through life. We've been through a lot of stuff. And um, and for me, I've been able to pull a lot of that weird stuff out now where I'm not going to have an ego. I'm not going to really like, what are you talking about? I'm the best. You know, I'm, that's never been our spirit. And I think, too, just from what, what we've been through in our life, it's kind of helped me push that out. I don't need that anymore. I feel like just our honesty and seeing what they have to say, it's like, you know, some good advice. And I'll, I'll take it in and work on it. And so I trust people when I ask them for their opinion. Because I'm asking it for a reason, yeah, and that kind of helps me, you know, do what I do. And and but yeah, I haven't ever like had to like, does this look like a bump piece? Because I feel like I'm making it. It is a bump piece. Yeah, or, not that I say that, but you know, no, yeah. But in my head, that's I'm like, this is something I made. So do you ever question yourself whenever you're making something? Is this for me or is this for them? Not really. I just I love what I get to do. I'm just I'm so excited. I get to wake up and draw. Yeah. You know, I mean, for 20 years, I did a whole another career in life, and you, you know, when we're always doing something, we're like, what if we get to do what we've always wanted? And I mean, there's parts of my job I wish were a little bit easier or wish somebody else would take on so I can just draw only, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to do the finance and emails and I just want to just draw what I have to do. But, you know, until that ever happens or, you know, life changes, I mean, I just still like I tell people I'm, I'm doing my dream. I get to wake up and, you know, get to make and create these things. 
So uh, we end the podcast all the time on two different questions. So yeah. what what are you reading or listening to right now that's an encouragement to you? All right. So for reading, I um, I fluctuate through audiobooks because just I don't have time to sit and read a book. I'm always drawing or, you know, working on something. So I always have something in the audio. So for probably the 20th time, I'm doing Ready Player One. I've just oh, always wow, liked cool. that book. Um, it's, you know, it's not for everybody, but for me, it's just it's, it's a fun book. But then I'll go and listen to a lot of autobiographies. Is that a pretty good audiobook? I like it because Will Wheaton from Star Trek Next Generation is reading it. And oh, cool. It's actually a really good you know, narrator. I've had some duds that are like, oh, this guy's going to have a great book. And you're like, oh, <laughs> very bland and boring, and I'm not enjoying it. But I love autobiographies. So I've you know, listened to everything from Sebastian Maniscalco to you know, George Lucas, Charles Schultz. And, um, I try to listen to all these other big creatives and what they've done and how they got there. And I think that's kind of helped me too, just hearing, like, even though it may be older than I am, some of the life applications are still the same or some of the same stresses. And then I like history, so I'll do some history books. Um, for I did like most guys when we get to our 30s, went through a World War II kick, you know? Yeah. And my friend even talked about this recently. So I must have, you know, read a bunch. Because I love the, the 40s era and like the early 50s. Just like, I mean, that's when we're like making some really cool stuff back then. I think that's a rite of dadhood. You yeah. have to be at Got least, to. at some point in time, you had to be a fan of World War II. And then for history. music, I mean, I... Um, I haven't got a whole lot of new stuff lately, but I love this band, Deaf Heaven. I love Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. They're always on, and Band of Horses and Cigar Rose. Those are always on a, a rotation. I took my daughter to her first like indie rock show. We went and saw this band called Me Without You. Oh, that's cool. And it was just a lot of fun to like, like this is like the stuff I like, you know, a, a dirty venue, <laughs> guys <laughs> everywhere, just nasty and smelly. And, but that's, I mean, that's my childhood. I love that. And the fact that she enjoyed it got to come out. So that's like what I'm listening to and kind of reading and, um, Anytime like a designer like the Clark Brothers put out uh, a really cool rendition of the Bible, yeah, and they, this guy Kevin D uh, Young wrote it, uh, the the version of the Bible, but just the artwork, it's like 900 pages. Oh and wow! These guys are big time designers who worked for like NASA, Target, Kanye West, and stuff like that. And so just you know that for me is just fun. I'll flip through a few pages a night just so I can soak in, like oh look what they did with these shapes and how you know or how they did their trees or. That's really interesting. So. Last question. Yeah. What are you most encouraged by right now, either in the world around you or your career? Man, I love community. I feel like I strive just to be a nice guy. I strive not to be talking about myself. I like to, to be with people, hanging out and helping. And just recently, a few people like just caught me off guard by their kindness to me. Because so I feel like usually the nice guy finishes last. I mean, it's honest. I've done a lot of hookups for people here in town and people who like, you know, you know, promise something back in return, but in business that never happens. I'll just be honest with everybody out there. And so I just like, but I'm still, I'll do it anyway. I still want to help people. And I even picked a few charities just because people would always ask me for free stuff. And after a while, that's like taking dinner off our table. I can't yeah. make free stuff for everybody. So I have a few places I like to, you know, hone in and help out. But just to finally, you know, out of the blue, I mean, I'm not one that chokes up, but it gets me sometimes that a couple people are just, just blew me away by the kindness of just, you know, returning a favor or just reaching out to me a way that I just didn't expect. And so that just, you know, fires me up even more like, all right, you know, I'm not necessarily doing it for myself, but it's just nice to, you know, sometimes get a little love back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not saying people have not been nice to me, but you know, when it's above and beyond yeah. and different, because it's no one shame. thing people compliment you and buy your stuff. I love and appreciate all that. But when you're like trying to collaborate and like, hey, this is you know, this will lead to something else, but never does. It just yeah, benefits them, you know. <laughs> and that's the true benefit of community is yeah. people feeding into other people. Right. And I feel like this community here is awesome. There's a lot of amazing creative people here in town. And I love just seeing them, you know, start like I did and where they're going. And some people have gone beyond that. 
And you, I mean, I try to share on everybody. I try to support as many people as we can. Like we have to rotate art in our house cause we're buying everybody else's art. Like they're buying ours and we can't hang it all up. Yeah. And so like, we want to have our give back as well. But, um, yeah, so that's been like a cool thing. It's just, you know, just seeing some over the top kindness return. Yeah. <laughs> cause it's, I mean, it's a tough business. I mean, right now the economy is a little rough and like in our pop-up markets, my last few markets, I'll be honest, have been duds. I've, you know, pretty much lost money mm. compared to what it used to be. And so we're trying to like, all right, how do we, you know, step back, look at everything and reevaluate what we're going to do next. That's and, exciting. Well, that's, maybe that's a conversation for the next podcast. Yeah, next That'd one, be part fun. two or whatever. But. So how can people get uh, reach you? The best, um, I'm very active on uh, my Instagram. So it's at bump galetta, two L's, two T's. And, and I mean, I have all the social medias. I have, you know, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and all those. But I like Instagram or I love coffee. So Black and Brew, Concord, you know, all those places, uh, Hillcrest. I just love getting coffee. Uh, honeycomb. So yeah, cool. let me know. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thanks again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank I, you. My name's Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen and company. Go to our website at alleninvestments.com. There's a lot of great material on there. Some great podcasts. Uh, 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 some other uh, great bloggers are on that. So go check it out and have a great day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.